tuned in to Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Village Vision Podcast, where community, collaboration, and care converge. I'm Dr. Crystal Morrison, and I'm honored to be your host on this incredible journey. As a firm believer in the power of a united village, I'm thrilled to bring you inspiring stories, research, and projects that break down barriers in child and family care. Through heartfelt conversations with experts, advocates, and those with lived experiences, we'll showcase the transformative impact of collective support. So join me on the Village Vision podcast as we explore the remarkable collaborations that lead to better outcomes, foster a sense of community, and inspire action to improve care for ourselves and everyone around us. On today's episode, I'm here with Daniel Gasparderek. Daniel's a licensed clinical social worker and founder of Revitalized Mental Health in Colorado. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Morrison. Appreciate being here. Great. So I definitely want to talk about Revitalized, but before we go there, I want you to share with listeners the why behind your commitment to helping those with traumatic brain injury. I know you have your own story, and this is deeply Mm -hmm. personal. So I would love for you to share your personal story with us. Sure. It's going to take a minute, but we'll That's get through fine. So, That's fine. That's so fine. It really started in July of 2009, going into my senior year of high school, when I was in a severe auto accident and sustained a traumatic brain injury. From that moment on, long story, right, overview is had that brain surgery, went through ICU, went through inpatient rehab went through outpatient physical therapy, 17 months of outpatient speech therapy, right? And was able to graduate with my cohort that I started high school with. And then that TBI accident or incident was really the pivotal moment directing me towards this helping care profession or service-oriented profession. And then it was a conversation with my sister, who's also a social worker, that was like, hey, check out this profession, see what you could do here maybe. How old were you when that happened? So I was 17 when the accident happened. And, you know, one of the things you and I talked about before is some of the things that were going on for you, you know, just this tremendous grief associated with Mm -hmm. loss of identity and and loss of your high school years. Talk a little bit about that and, and how traumatic brain injury can impact a young man, a teenager at that stage in life? Yeah. So for me, right, and and every person Mm -hmm. who sustains a TBI, every TBI is different as well, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, it was going from this super high-functioning, independent person who now needed somebody to, you know, walk them to the bathroom. Right. Right? Because that level of coordination, the strength, the stamina is not there from somebody who could do a full day of school easy right, and mm-hmm. still have attentional capacities left after you get home to play video games or whatever, mm-hmm. do homework, to I could do two classes a day my senior year, but then I would go home and take a two or three hour nap. Right. So that fatigue level associated with traumatic brain injuries is huge. And then the grief and loss identity shifts really start to come in when you're like, okay, my friends are hanging out Friday, Saturday nights at bonfire, but I'm in bed by seven or eight. Right. Right. And then you hear all these stories Monday at school and you're not part of that 
You're not mm-hmm. part of that social network, not because they've excluded you sure. out of intention, right? But they still have their lives, right? And they need to live them, mm-hmm. right? And then I need to do my my stuff, right? So going from being, you know, a vibrant 17-year-old high school student to physically not being able to navigate through the day, just utter exhaustion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, when you also kind of couple in the two to three physical therapy or speech therapy appointments a week, mm-hmm. right, like that takes a lot of drive time. That takes a lot of time out of your support network to drive you. Right. And just take the time off of work. Right. Those are hard hard variables to kind of absorb when you already have these routines established, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool, we're getting some good strides, and then it's like, wham, you know, die. <laughs> yeah, you know, when we were talking before, when we first met, you were also talking about this, this strong village of support that you had around you that helped you recover, and you alluded to that just a bit ago, and I'm sure there were teachers and coaches and extended family members, but who were some of those people that were part of your support system at that time that helped you recover? I will say that there was a a handful of people. Mm-hmm. So one being the person I was in the accident with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a one a single car accident rollover, and without his quick action of calling EMS and then also calling his mom, who mm-hmm. was a nurse or is a nurse she reoriented the EMS providers from a lower level trauma hospital to a higher trauma level hospital, which probably saved my life, right? Wow. Those those are two people right off the bat. Like uh, I love to acknowledge, obviously my family being there through the ICU inpatient, and then also getting, I'll I'll tie them back in. And once I'm at home and stuff and the care that they did, they -hmm. gave me, but also my speech therapist. So I had one that was in the ICU and I can't remember exactly if she left or if, if she was only associated with the ICU portion. And then I had another one that I did the 17 months of speech therapy with right. afterwards, right? And I still messaged with them on the anniversaries of the accident. Oh, you know, wow. To see how they're doing, you know, and mm-hmm. it's been 14 years. Yeah. So, you know, those people that sat with me in these awkward moments, for me, they were awkward. For them, they this is kind of known nature for a TBI in some level. But when they're like, okay, I want you to tell me all the different types of there there are. And I'm just like, I'm only thinking of one. And I'm right. like, I know this, right? And they just sat with me with patience, right? Yeah. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. So so those people and then link, linking linking back in. I mean, the nurses, the doctors, everything too. Um, but those are pretty pivotal people that I I really recall. And then also in terms of linking in my support network once I was out of the hospital, again, coming back to my family who modified their life schedules. My sister was in in her electives pursuing her social work degree mm-hmm. during the summer and modified her course schedule so she could stay at home. Right. Right. To be with me because after you have, I don't know if it's all TBIs or not, I'm not a neurologist, but there's higher risk of seizure activity. So having that observation period is really crucial. And that was one of the reasons they pulled my license too. So I couldn't drive and have that freedom as a 17 year old. 
So her modifying her schedule to make sure I had observation, right? Then my mom also shifting around her work schedule, working from home, working mm -hmm. half days, right? And then also that goes to her work being flexible. In sure. What's going on. And then also my father who, you know, was there, like, I'm not saying he wasn't there, but he mm -hmm. was also working, like, because mm -hmm. medical care costs a lot of money. Right. Right. So you really have a lot of people, you know, adjusting schedules and being flexible mm -hmm. and making sure you got the, the care you needed. And your therapy was 17, 18 months, right? Yeah, speech therapy. Yeah, three months of PT, physical therapy, and then 17 months of speech therapy. Wow. So let's, let's transition a little bit and talk about the work that you're doing today. So tell us a little bit more about your practice and your private practice work and, and revitalize. Yeah. So as kind of noted, right, this accident really pivoted me towards this direction. And then that conversation with my sister was like, hey, check this mm -hmm. out. So got my received my bachelor's in social work, started working. And then I was kind of like, okay, I can't do what I really want to do like that. I can do one-on-one -on -one work with like bachelor levels, but not like that intense trauma work. Sure. The intense stuff or work around like identity creation, self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so I was like, okay, maybe this master needs to come into the picture for social work mm -hmm. and then eventually receive that. A lot of my work in terms of my private practice was initially just geared around as like, okay, we have a growing, a growing community ourselves. We need to support them. And it was the middle of the pandemic, so the mm -hmm. telehealth just bloomed during the pandemic, which sure. opened up access to care for so many people that didn't have access to care. The silver uh, lining, right? <laughs> right. So started it kind of on that note. And then as also my kind of business acumen developed, and I'm seeing these people really put their personal touches on things. I'm just mm -hmm. like, I can really make this my own. Mm -hmm. So then let's focus on the mental health component the trauma component, and also that TBI piece and whatever intersection, or maybe there is no intersection, but there's something there. And that's kind of how revitalized mental health really came to be this provider of therapy services. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's fantastic and it, and it makes complete sense, right? You know, as somebody who's going through a TBI and you have that personal experience, it's not just about the physical injury, but it's about the entire shift in your identity and the grief and loss associated with losing your identity and not physically being able to do the things you were previously. I mean, there's so much that is necessary from a mental health perspective as part of the healing, right? And so what in your practice today, you know, what are some of the things that you see your patients struggling the most with in, in their recovery. Are you referring to only TBIs? Yes. Yeah. In this case, just, just sure. TBIs. Yes. Sure. And it's hard to say because it kind of ebbs and flows, right? Sure. Uh, on the person or persons that are coming through as well as what level of TBI they have, what severity, because they're also unique. The things that I've seen, as well as what I've experienced, right? Our challenges mm -hmm. around like impulse control, mm. thought perseveration, mm -hmm. right? So just kind of fixed thinking or, or sure. rumination around thinking. And then 
the challenges with forgetfulness, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are those are hallmarks sometimes. You know, there's also irritability, anger, like mm-hmm. very quick threshold with limited awareness or low levels of awareness. And therapy can help kind of expand those those pieces of awareness and intentional decision making. Speech therapy is really powerful, right? Mm-hmm. As well as I think, at least when I was going through my recovery process, there was a lot of really neat like Nintendo DS games. Yeah. That almost like it's it would be like a Sudoku, right? But you mm-hmm. could do it on a on a Nintendo DS, or they would have other brain games. And one of them, like for example, is like it's a house, right? Just just a one dimensional house. And you have people coming in, stick figures coming in one side, and you have a timed interval, people coming in, people coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to count and figure out how many people are still left in the house, right? Right. And then they start coming in and out of the chimney, right? And then they start coming in and out, in and out in groups. So, and it works that working memory. And I think like that, that's part of recovery too, right? It's not mm-hmm. just, okay, physically I'm better because physically I was better probably a year and a half out, but my brain was still foggy. I was still tired mm-hmm. in those, those invisible scars or invisible symptoms that people don't see. Right. And and that's something that I, I definitely wanted to talk about also, because those around you might know that you were injured, right? Mm-hmm. But all of the things that someone's experiencing, like the impulsivity and anger and challenges with memory and speech and all of that, all of those things are are maybe not necessarily something that other people would recognize. And how do you work with your patients to help them explain to others what's going on for them? Or how do you help the outside world understand what TBI mm-hmm. can look like? Because it's, that's a very difficult thing. Right. And there are plenty of resources, right, for the outside Okay. World. Right? Yeah. There, I have a blog on my site with some TBI posts, right? There are, there are all these different ways where, you know, different directions we can go with TBI, like TBI and finances, right? If you can't manage your money and you need a payee, a financial person, right? Or, sure. And then the fraud that sometimes happens in those situations, right? So oh, we can yeah. go many different directions yeah. uh, with, with the TBI conversation. And I think getting back to your point, right? There's a lot of different points of education out there. I mean, you can mm-hmm. Google TBI's you know, near me, I know in Colorado, we have the Brain Injury Alliance network, and that's yeah. a huge provider of, of brain injury services and just even just coordination of services, right? In terms of how do I support somebody in that, in that process of advocating for themselves, sometimes we need to back up and there's often this fight of like who I was and who I am. Great point. And it's going to, it's the word I'm going to use around here or with this is not intended to oversimplify it, but there's a lot of acceptance that comes into this, mm-hmm. right? Because you can continue to fight and that's also going to make you irritable and frustrated and pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then there's this also piece of like, kind of like, not, not just come what may, but what can I do to influence my external environment Sure. at the same time, right? Because we don't want people to be in this acceptance stance and just take whatever crap life puts on you. We don't want that. Right. Exactly. But we need to be able to hold that and also hold what we need to do, what we need to pursue our values and all these things and learn the skills that we can start to move in those directions. Right. 
And that's where the acceptance is. That's such a great point. I'm so glad that you brought that up because acceptance, and, and you said that you don't want to oversimplify it, but acceptance is not rolling over and just saying this happened to me and, and letting, <laughs> letting others take advantage of you. And, and acceptance is understanding that something happened to you that you did not have control of. And you're going to work with those around you and yourself to get better and overcome that and understand the challenges that you're going through and trying to find a way to address those challenges, right? It's not, mm -hmm. okay, I'm accepting this and I'm just going to accept that this is happening to me and I'm not going to do anything about it. It's accepting that something did happen to you and you're going to work with yourself and others to, to work through yeah. it to be healthier. Yeah, I think I think in our society, acceptance often takes like a passive connotation. Yes, yes, exactly. It's very much active. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's a huge thing for listeners to take away from this conversation also. I just find it fascinating the things that I've learned about TBI since you and I uh, originally chatted. I certainly wasn't aware of the different ways that TBI can present itself. It makes sense. You have a brain injury, and so there is going to be changes to your wiring and impulsivity and language and anger and emotions. That certainly wasn't something that I realized, so I really appreciate you sharing that. As we start to, to think about wrapping up today, though, what are some of those things that you really want our listeners to understand about mm -hmm. someone who is experiencing TBI? And, and granted, I understand that their severity can be different and the place yeah. that people are in their lives can be very different. But what are those things that you really want people to understand from a personal and professional perspective about people who are experiencing traumatic brain injury? And I'm, I'm glad we talked about this before. So I've had some time to like kind of Rolex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so A is we don't get better in a vacuum, right? Right. We need support whether it be a professional, be it, you know, the person who I mentioned I was in an accident with. Mm -hmm. He was one of the people that I, outside of my family, I trusted to drive me after the accident. He was the only person. Wow. Wow. Right? And like that bond that him and I shared before, because we were next door neighbors before. Sure. Right? And, but even then we started working out again, right? We started doing all these things. So the, your support network is huge. Too, from a professional standpoint and I guess personal too, like I don't like being, being called as like having brain damage, right? Like right. it's an injury, just like you broke your arm, like it healed. Now is the scar still there? Maybe, or mm -hmm. whatever happened, right? There's still, there's still some remnants, but we can also grow and heal, right? Mm -hmm. And the brain has so much plasticity that we can really re-network re neural networks to, or realign neural networks to grow and live very meaningful lives, right? Mm -hmm. So that stigma around brain damage versus brain injury. And then two, and this, again, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's patience, both for the person who has the TBI as well as for the support network. I mean, 17 months is a long time, right? And we didn't even get into after you have a TBI, sometimes your brain is very sensitive. So you're prone to easier concussions, right? Sure. Absolutely. In the four, four to six concussions I've had since then, 
right? And then how then that also compounded things, right? Mm -hmm. And then like, I would have to go to bed at eight to fall asleep by 10. And I would be frustrated and swearing at myself because I couldn't fall asleep, right? Like all those school things, right? And and again, that's acceptance and that's patience because it doesn't get better right Mm -hmm. away. And you Mm -hmm. can't just rush through it and be done. Well, it's such a a gift to have you join us today. And I I think it's absolutely a testament to where you are at in life now. You're obviously a professional, but you're married and you have three beautiful children and you're serving those who, who've had traumatic brain injury as well as others who are experiencing mental health challenges and other aspects of your life. And so you are such a testament to that patience and perseverance and because I'm sure, I'm sure as you alluded to, yes, it was 17, 18 months of therapy, but there has been so much since then that you've had to continue to work on and, and mm-hmm. shape. So I am so grateful for having you join us today on the Village Vision podcast. Really grateful also that you shared your personal story because that can be really difficult for people. And again, just appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Morrison, for having me. And people can reach out if they have questions or anything like that. Happy to support people. Absolutely. And we're going to include all of Daniel's contact information in the show notes, um, his website, Revitalized Health. He mentioned, of course, that he does have a blog and there's lots of other support resources. So you'll be able to find him in, in his contact information in our show notes. But for today, thank you so much. So thank you for joining us on this episode of the Village Vision podcast. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights from our conversation today. I know I did. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, and share. And thank you so much for being a part of the Village Vision podcast here on Word of Mom Radio. Take care, and let's keep shining a light on the power of community, collaboration, and care. Thank you. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true, she is brave. for dreams.